Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher here with you. And let's get to know a little bit more about the 0-2 Minnesota Golden Gophers, who were awesome last year, 11-2, made a run at the Big Ten West title. And I know Illini fans not a big fan of P.J. Fleck, but did a pretty dang good coaching job last year. And let's talk about it with Ryan Burns, who covers the Gophers for Gopher Illustrated, part of 24-7 Sports. Um, yeah, the Flexter, man. Like I thought he was riding on cloud nine and, and then an 0-2 start. How, how are they feeling up in Minneapolis? Uh, I can tell you the water's a little bit choppy up here. <laughs> Certainly with uh, the way things have transpired, you get college game day to start the season and you completely – lay an egg defensively at home, allow Michigan to score 49 points. And they, in that 49 points, they missed three field goals. So it could have been a lot more. And then you blow a three score fourth quarter lead to Maryland on the road and end up losing an overtime on a missed extra point. It's been, uh, it's been an experience. It's certainly been a lot different than what we saw in 2019 where Minnesota goes 11 and two double digit wins uh, for the first time in a very long time, 11 wins for the first time in over a hundred years. It's a lot different, and that's where Minnesota lost a lot defensively, and it is really, really showing here in this COVID-shortened season. Yeah, obviously the defense is, is the big problem, given 45-plus uh, the first two games. And and that was my big concern about why I didn't think, are they going to really push Wisconsin, or are, are they going to fall kind of back to the middle of the pack here uh, in the Big Ten West? But I, I knew offensively they were so good, but um, the, the defense isn't even giving them a chance, so what all is going so wrong? I imagine it's everything at this point, right? Oh, man. How much time do you have? <laughs> because it's been every level of the defense. I mean, you look at statistically, they are the worst college football defense. Now, you can scream to the heavens, small sample size, because it has only been two games. But Minnesota's allowing 9.58 yards per play. Per play. It's worst of 103 teams that are playing college football this fall, and that's worst by two full yards to, I believe, New Mexico or New Ma- or UMass. Essentially, every time you run a play against Minnesota's defense right now, it's a first down. And it's it's horrendous. And that, it starts with the run defense where Minnesota lost three starters among their four guys up front. They lost both of their starting linebackers. They lost All-American Antoine Winfield Jr., who is looking like a, he's going to be the uh, NFL Rookie of the Year potentially, and it's been it's been poor. I mean, Minnesota is struggling to generate anything resembling a pass rush, but more importantly, they cannot set an edge. They are having a significant amount of issues in their linebacking core, and I think that's the biggest thing for Illini fans to watch on Saturday is the team speed at linebacker right now is playing incredibly slow. Minnesota started two guys the last two games at linebacker, the same two guys, one an Illinois native, I believe, from Providence Catholic. Yeah, yeah right, up, school. right up the road from me, man. Yeah, so in Mariano Sori Marin, and he has been an adventure at the linebacker position there. There were a lot of expectations for him going into 2020. I know defensive coordinator Joe Rossi told me he thought he could be one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten. I think you could make an argument he's been – uh, one of the one of the worst potentially. He's just been a day late and a dollar short in run fit, in pass coverage, in setting an edge, and taking the correct angle. You name it, it's been rough. And then starting alongside of him is a true freshman by the name of Cody Lindenberg from here in Minneapolis, and that's where it's incredibly inexperienced, and it's showing where 
both of these linebackers, I mean, seemingly every run play, one of them's out of position or one of them misses a tackle or one of them takes a poor angle. And then in the secondary, I guess the only position you could say that's maybe playing well is the cornerback position where Minnesota's got a couple of experienced guys and Benjamin St. Just and Coney Durr. But in game one, the safety position with Tyler Newbin, an Illinois native there who's starting in Antoine Winfield's place, and then Jordan Howden, it's been it's been an adventure. And I think the biggest thing is just these poor angles that Minnesota keeps taking to the ball carrier. And that's where, you know, I'm I'm looking at Chase Brown, I'm looking at Mike Epstein, and I'm I mean, Jeremy, I think I wrote about it. Uh, for you know your faux piece, but I think there's a very, I shouldn't say very high likelihood, but I think there's a good a good chance that both of those guys are going for over 100 yards on Saturday because the run fit for Minnesota starting at the defensive line and as you move further back from linebacker to the defensive backs, it's been bad. And that's where you see statistically how poor Minnesota's been. And sometimes that's not always the case where the stats may lie. I can assure you the stats don't lie. This defense has been bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested, Ryan, what you think about Karan Taylor. Uh, the four-string quarterback came in, did ignite Illinois' offense to move the ball, but he had a, a lot of turnovers. Um what do you think of that style of a running quarterback, but a guy who, who can be risky? I know Minnesota hasn't done anything right, but how have they dealt with more mobile quarterbacks who can run the zone option? Well, that's where you saw it. And this is where uh, I spent all week last week trying to make sure I got this enunciation correct. It's Taulia Tungo-Viola yeah. to his younger brother, who's now the starting quarterback in Maryland. He went from in week one throwing three picks and 94 yards against Northwestern so last week, Minnesota was his cure-all. He threw for 390 yards and three scores, plus he ran for two scores on the ground and I believe 75, yarded, 75 yards once you took out two sacks. And he could do, and that was the big issue for Minnesota was they would sometimes get pressure on Tungo Viola, but he would spin out of it. And, and Minnesota had a play where they had him dead to rights for a 15-yard sack. He spins out of it to his right shoulder. And then he walks into the end zone 40 yards later with about four lead blockers in front of him. And that's the way it's been for this Minnesota defense. So I know that Taylor is inexperienced. I know that maybe there's a little bit of a difference in talent level potentially between him and Tungo Viola. But I can assure you from one week ago with a mobile quarterback, Minnesota struggled to contain him. He did get outside the pocket too many times. And that's where it comes back down to what I talked about earlier. The angles that Minnesota was taking to try and contain him, there was no one setting an edge. There was no one trying to make sure that he couldn't spin out of something. If he got, if Minnesota got internal pressure, the linebacker or the defensive end didn't take the correct angle to his outside hip, it was bad. And that's where, if you're an Illini fan, you should look, be looking back at that Maryland tape and watching a mobile quarterback essentially do whatever he wanted against the Scope for defense. Man, you're, you're rising Illini's confidence going into this game. Um, I, I wanted to ask you more bigger picture. Ryan, because we know P.J. Fleck is is usually atop those recruiting rankings. He, he builds a lot of momentum early in the recruiting rankings. So is this a, just an inexperience? These guys haven't played and didn't have warm-up games on defense, or, or is this a talent issue for them? That's the biggest question that every Gopher football fan wants to know right now is, is this talent just not there or is this talent not playing up to their abilities because they're thinking and if you're thinking on the college football field you're playing a step slow and that's what you're seeing on friday or saturday nights and that's the big question 
And I think that's what we're, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching for the rest of the season here is yes, we're only two games in, but the reality is that's 25% of the season, if not more, you know, I'm sure you can attest with uh, the different COVID situations that we've seen the Illini go through and obviously Wisconsin as well. You're not guaranteed all nine games. And so that's where we're going to find out here over the rest of the season is, is it a talent issue? I mean, is it maybe we had these guys too highly rated or is it going to be these guys are just young and you start to see them play faster and faster and faster and gain more confidence each week. But I can assure you many Gopher football fans are hoping that last week was rock bottom defensively and that it's only up from here because it was a very poor showing. Anytime you allow 675 total yards in a game, in Minnesota, on 25 defensive possessions, Jeremy has forced two punts. Hmm. Two punts in two games on 25 possessions. It's been bad. And now it's time to start to see, is it a talent? Because if it is, it's time to start rotating some more bodies in there. Offensively, Minnesota does seem effective. I mean, they put up a lot of points against Maryland, which you would hope they would. Um, and they did put up, what, 28 uh, against Michigan. Um but how they've gotten their offense is intriguing to me because you saw Tanner Morgan go off last year with Rashad Bateman, who is back, uh, and Tyler Johnson, who's now catching passes from Tom Brady. Uh, but Chris Altman Bell, an Illinois native, has been pretty good for them. Uh, but they are run, They are a running football team right now under their new offense coordinator, Mike Sanford, correct? So what have you seen or what's most interesting to you offensively so far? In that, I mean, I, I would say it's that. It's that – for my money, Tanner Morgan is probably the best passing quarterback that Minnesota's had in my 28 years on this planet. Yet you look at his passing attempts through two games where Minnesota has lost both games. So you'll be thinking to yourself, well, Minnesota's probably in a negative game script where you're playing from behind. You probably don't want to establish the run and try to drain the clock. Yet Tanner Morgan last week where it was a, a very up and down game where Minnesota's losing by a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter. And then they end up getting momentum back, and they end up losing it again. Minnesota blows a three-score lead in the fourth quarter. We're on three offensive drives. Their offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford, decides to call one passing play. And you have the reigning Big Ten receiver of the year back. Chris Ottman-Bell has been very, uh, been very good through two, uh, through two games. He's been a very good contested catch winner. You saw him go over 100 yards last week. Yet Minnesota only decided to throw the ball 15 times. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'd hope, as Minnesota tries to look at what's going to work against Illinois, uh, you know, that's where the passing defense looks to be a little bit more susceptible than things on the ground. And that's where Minnesota ran the ball 51 times last week, and 41 of them were with Muhammad Ibrahim. And I can assure you, he looked a little bit run down in that fourth quarter when Minnesota was trying to put things away. So I'd love to see Minnesota open up their passing game more. I'd love to see a little bit more play action, a little bit more balance where I'm not asking for Tanner Morgan to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. This isn't Mike Leach down there in the SEC, but Mm -hmm. I'd love to see Minnesota stop treating him like a game manager when he proved in game after game after game last year he can make big-time throws. I mean, he was second-team All-Big Ten through for 30 touchdowns, yet Minnesota's been using him as a game manager and an ancillary piece to what they've got going on the ground. So. It's been a little bit perplexing at times, especially in that fourth quarter last week where I understand it was working on the ground through three quarters, but then Maryland went plus one or plus two in the box, and Minnesota decided, 
We're going to be stubborn, and we're just mm-hmm. going to continue to run the ball into loaded boxes, even though we have single coverage with Rashad Bateman <laughs> on the outside, and sources tell me he's pretty good. So you'd like to see more variety this weekend against the Illini. Yeah, Mo, Mo Ibrahim has got uh, 347 yards, leads the Big Ten, six touchdowns leads the Big Ten, but 67 carries through two games. Uh, while Rashad Bateman, 14 catches, 163 yards. I mean, that's good production through two games, but no touchdowns. 11.6 yards per uh, catch. Uh, how are teams defending Rashad Bateman? They're playing a lot of bracket coverage, uh, or they're just flat-out doubling him. There's a lot of the time if you are able to get a, a wide view of the game and you're able to see the entire secondary, wherever Rashad Bateman goes, there's usually a safety over the top. And it's understandably so, where Minnesota doesn't necessarily have that other alpha option like they did last year in Tyler Johnson to complement Rashad Bateman and both of those guys could kind of dictate coverage. Well, it's going to be Bateman by himself this fall that is going to be the one dictating coverage. And that's where you'd love to see him get into the end zone here this weekend because, yes, he's been dominating the target share. I think he's probably at 45% of Tanner Morgan's dropbacks have been going Bateman's way. But, again, Minnesota hasn't thrown the ball a ton. So I would expect Lovey Smith to probably do a lot of the same that other teams have been where it's doubling or bracketing or making sure that you have multiple guys around Rashad Bateman at all times because he is a big play waiting to happen. That's what you saw in 2019 where he caught over 60 balls for over 20 yards per reception. And he's liable to do that at any time. It's just been trying to find him space with the way the defenses are kind of dictating the coverage there. So Minnesota's got to get more play-action game going to him, especially with how well Ibrahim's been running the ball. I mean, for my money, Ibrahim is one of the best zone runners I've seen. He is a perfect fit for Minnesota's inside zone running scheme where he knows exactly where the hole is going to be, not where it currently is, and he can set up his blocks so, so well. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's 5'8", 205. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he always falls forward, and he seemingly always makes that first man miss, and that's kind of what makes this Minnesota offense so effective. But the play-action game debatement is going to have to be there on Saturday. So I, I know offensive line, which crushed Illinois last year with all those big guys up front. They've they've had some losses uh, up there, right? How, how have they held up? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little different up there. Where last year, right tackle Daniel Falele was there, right guard Curtis Dunlap was there. Well, both of those guys are out. Curtis Dunlap tore his Achilles right before the season. Daniel Falele opted out uh, because of COVID concerns. Minnesota's left guard last week who was their sixth offensive lineman essentially filling in last year, who's been thrust into action. Axel Rushmeyer is his name. We don't know his status for this weekend. He got rolled up on pretty good in the early third quarter last week against Maryland. He did not return. We asked PJ about him on Monday. He didn't have an injury update for us. So there is a lot of starts on that offensive line, other than Falele and Dunlap and Rushmeyer with Left tackle, Sam Schluter. Right tackle, Blaze Andrews. Center, John Michael Schmitz, Illinois native. And Connor Olson there as well. Four of the five have been pretty dang good here and pretty consistent for the last two years. But it's going to be interesting to see because if Rushmeyer can't go, Minnesota inserted a lineman, number 66, by the name of Nathan Bowe. And I didn't think he fared particularly well last week. So if they kind of use that as a data point, I wonder which way they'll go because – it gets very youthful and very inexperienced there. But overall, as an offensive line unit, you still have four or five starters back uh, because Minnesota liked to go to a six offensive lineman package a lot last year. But 
they're going to have to keep Tanner Morgan upright if they're going to be able to win this game because the reality is, Jeremy, if Minnesota doesn't put up 40 points in this game, they're mm. just not going to win. Mm. We'll see if Illinois can uh, live up to your expectations. We'll see. But I know they've been, they've been bad. I get it, though, man. Like I've watched a defense like that. Illinois fans watched a defense like that two years ago uh, where A.J. Bush and the offense were pretty good, uh, but it didn't matter. They, they could put up 40 at Nebraska, and it didn't matter. They had to score 50. Um, it's, it's incredibly deflating, and it's hard to keep up with. So given this, though, I mean, these are two 0-2 teams that maybe – didn't expect to be 0-2 or thought they were better than this. What's this game mean from the Minnesota perspective? Oh, they need it, and they need it in the worst way because especially after this game, you've got two big rivalry games. You'll have Iowa coming to town, and then if Madison uh, can figure things out COVID-wise, they have to travel to Madison for uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So there's some real big games coming up, and you'd love to see them build some confidence, and that's where – Champaign is not a place that Minnesota has played well in recent history. Minnesota's lost two of their last three there. It's seemingly in the last decade. Anytime Minnesota heads to Champaign, there's just seemingly some fluky things that happen to Minnesota. And that's where they really just need to figure out how to get back on track. Because it's obvious they're not going to be the Big Ten West contender that they thought they were going to be, like I thought they had a chance to be, where their defense is just so inept that it really doesn't matter. I mean, like like you mentioned, I mean, you've seen it before. Um, I mean, two years ago when Minnesota came mm-hmm. into Illinois, Illinois put up 55 points on uh, then Rob Smith's defense. Illinois got Minnesota's defensive coordinator fired uh, because of how porous Minnesota's defense was. And truly, I don't think 55 points is out of the picture. Now, again, you know your team a lot better, but I just can tell you it's – I think that yards per place that is just so incredibly telling mm-hmm. and so incredibly accurate where it's 9.58 yards per play against this gopher defense. And they can't stop anyone. Mm-hmm. They, they literally can't figure out how to get off the field. Two punts in 25 drives. There's been four missed field goals against this defense or else that points per game of 47 would be a lot higher. They forced a, uh, they forced a fumble on the goal line last week, or else that would have been another six points. They've been fortunate that it's only 47. And until you can tell me that Minnesota can get off the field, it just really doesn't matter. Because I think this this offense is very, very capable, as they showed last week, of putting up a ton of points. But the reality is that's the way Minnesota's got to win in this 2020 season, is the offense, they have to know by now. If we don't put up 35, 38, 42 points a game, there's just no shot with the way that this defense is currently playing. Ryan, P.J. Fleck has is, is won big now uh, and had big seasons with, with several programs or multiple programs. So uh, he's obviously seems like a good fit there and you know happy to have him after 11-2. and two. But what's this season mean for kind of the trajectory uh, of Minnesota football? Because it felt like after last year they could be on the cusp of – maybe being that team who can get in the mix with Wisconsin. Um, does this season kind of bring that back down to earth, or is it just maybe uh, they can bounce back and they'll be fine? I think it brings it back down to earth because of that defense, because the, the offense is, I still think, one of the best in the Big Ten when things are going right. You have an offensive line that's experienced. You have a running back that is a perfect fit for what you want to do. You have talented playmakers on the outside and Bateman and Ottman Bell. Uh, a couple of young guys by the name of Brevin Spanford and Daniel Jackson. You have 
maybe the most important part offensively in a, in a pretty dang good passing quarterback in Tanner Morgan. But the issue is the defense that saw seven starters depart from last year's team for them into the NFL has just been so inept that it's tough to kind of figure out what expectation should be for the rest of 2020. And then maybe more importantly for Minnesota into 2021, where schedule-wise, they start off with Ohio State, but the rest of that schedule doesn't make me blink. Where you could see if they could get defensively things back on track, really the only guy they're going to lose from this 2020 offense is going to be Rashad Bateman. Now, obviously, he's a very talented piece, and he's going to be hard to replace. But offensively, Minnesota is going to be pretty dang good again next year, especially with Morgan back in a in, and they get their two offensive linemen that are um, in Favlele and Dunlap that are back, you're going to have 23-year-olds starting on your offensive line in college football. You're probably going to be boating well there. But the reality is, unless they can figure out things defensively in these next seven games to try and build some momentum and hopefully have a normal offseason where they can have all 15 practices of spring ball, they can have the summer football, it leads into a, a normal fall camp but this defense has completely changed what expectations were going to be this year and I think it's already starting to affect the long-term issue because a lot of fans including uh, and media members including myself are wondering what what is this defense going to look like next year are we going to see a ton more uh, young guys being thrust into action because Minnesota's got a few different four stars committed in this 21 class. Are they going to have to play as true freshmen? We don't know, but the defense is going to dictate what the short-term and the long-term view of this team is going to look like. Well, Ryan Burns, one of these teams has to leave Saturday with a win. So one of them will feel better. (laughs) Yeah, and that's where I'm telling you right now, I don't bet on college football. I don't believe you do either, right? No, no. and It's just pain. Here's what I'll say. Yeah, here's what I'll say is, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think Illinois fans want to touch that line of, I guess, Minnesota minus seven. I know Gopher fans want nothing to do with it after losing his 20-point road favorites, but the over-under of 62 or 63, whatever it is, is mind-boggling to me because, number one, Minnesota's defense is not capable, as they currently stand, of allowing anything under 35 Yet Minnesota's offense, if they're humming the way that I think they can be against what Illinois has shown defensively, they're going to put up 35. So it's going to be an interesting day in Las Vegas. But all I know is I just hope this game isn't as sloppy as I think it might be. Yeah. Um, You know, can Karen Taylor figure out how to, you know, master this pitiful gopher defense? Or is this gopher defense going to rise up against an inexperienced quarterback. I mean, it's going to be uh, probably the matchup to watch on Saturday. Yeah. Um, it's. I think a lot of fans have hope w- with Karan Taylor, but there's also the downside of making so many mistakes that maybe you wouldn't get from, from a guy like Brandon Peters. But uh, I think Minnesota's defense also gives them a lot of hope. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Ryan Burns, you're the man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Great stuff as always from Ryan Burns. Go for illustrated.com. You can follow him on Twitter if you want at Ryan Burns MN. Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating matchup because you have a really good Gophers passing attack uh, against a Illinois pass defense that has been terrible. You have an Illinois offense that found something with Karan Taylor that if they play like they did against Purdue, I think they're going to find a lot of success. Uh, against Minnesota in gaining yards, but you have a former four-string quarterback a week ago uh, now starting who had four turnovers. And, and for me, Karan Taylor cutting down on those mistakes and not forcing things and taking care of the ball, just ball security, is going to be so important in this game. I, I, you got to feel pretty confident about Illinois' run defense uh, and what they've been able to accomplish in that front seven. The defensive line has been really good when it comes to that. Uh, but I would expect Rod Smith to really get the run game going um, because you don't want to have to throw Karan Taylor 30-plus times if you don't have to because that could lead to more mistakes. And, and Minnesota basically almost allowing nine-plus yards per play um, they got issues in that front seven where I think Illinois and their offensive line, even without Doug Kramer uh, and without Jordan Slaughter, they can find a, a lot of room to run like they did against Purdue. And I think if uh, you know Chase Brown feels better after a week and improves, Mike Epstein uh, feeling better after a pretty productive game, uh, and then you get Karan Taylor, maybe some open uh, spots in that run game too, I think you're going to find some holes there. And I, I think that's the key to success for Illinois is getting ahead, getting ahead early, getting that run game going uh, and really establishing some uh, some dominance really at the line of scrimmage. I think that's where they can win this game. But Minnesota does have one of the best passing quarterbacks in the Big Ten in Tanner Morgan and obviously Rashad Bateman's one of the best wide receivers in the country, let alone the Big Ten and Chris Altman Bell has been pretty good as well. So uh, just an interesting matchup of two teams that, you know, maybe people thought Illinois would be 0-2 starting off against Wisconsin and Purdue, but uh, I know a lot of people are surprised that, that Minnesota's 0-2, uh, especially given that they played Maryland, right? So huge game, I think, for both these programs. And for Illinois, it could really – be a huge confidence booster going into another winnable game against Rutgers on the road, and then maybe another winnable game after that against Nebraska. Uh, you get this win, all of a sudden you feel like this season is not only salvageable, but you can find a way to have success, and that'd be pretty amazing given that your quarterback could be out for three games. Uh, but also if you lose this game, you're going to continue to be underdogs, and you could be an underdog on the road at Rutgers next week. And you're starting to go, where are we going to find the wins if, if, if we can't beat this Minnesota defense? Maybe you get Brandon Peters back and Doug Kramer back and, and you can find a way to get some wins. But an 0-3 start in, in an eight-game regular season plus the one at the end, uh, it's hard to bounce back and get to the win total that we should expect uh, for this Illinois program at this point. 
Check out Illini Inquirer for the latest news and insight on the Illini football team. Derek Piper's going to get going with a lot of basketball stuff this week as well as we are just weeks away, three weeks away from Illinois basketball tipping off. But no, we don't have a schedule quite yet. Uh, but I just did some film review pieces, dove deeper into why Illinois' pass defense is struggling, diagnosing those issues. Also focused on a few positives up front for Illinois there. I've had some pay- people like Owen Carney, uh, Roderick Perry, and Johnny Newton step up. I broke down what they've done so far. And I also uh, broke down Karan Taylor's performance. The bad that... Um, would be really bad for a starter, but for a four-stringer, you give him a little bit of pass. And then there was some real good there, too, with the, with the talent that he showed, uh, the short memory that he showed. Um, Illinois can do things offensively behind him as long as he takes care of the ball and makes better decisions. Check that out at IlliniInquire.com. Always appreciate you listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us, wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody take care of each other this week, and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.